chapter four of the domestic slave trade of the southern states by winfield h collins this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four were some states engaged in breeding and raising negroes for sale as we now have a somewhat definite idea as to the amount of the domestic slave trade the next question which naturally claim our attention are were some states consciously and purposely engaged in breeding and raising negroes for the southern market and also what were the sources of supply for the trade the former of these queries is no doubt the most controverted and difficult part of our subject the testimony of travellers and common opinion generally seems to have been in the affirmative a quotation or two will suffice to show the trend the duke of saxe weimar says many owners of slaves in the states of maryland and virginia have nurseries for slaves whence the planters of louisiana mississippi and other southern states draw their supplies in a narrative of a visit to the american churches the writer in speaking of the accumulation of negroes in the gulf states says slaves are generally bred in some states as cattle for the southern market and the reverend philo tower writing about twenty years later draws a more vivid picture not only in virginia he says but also in maryland north carolina kentucky tennessee and missouri as much attention is paid to the breeding and growth of negroes as to that of horses and mules it is a common thing for planters to command their girls and women married or not to have children and i am told a great many negro girls are sold off simply and mainly because they did not have children undoubtedly some planters in all the slave states resorted to questionable means of increasing their slave stock but that it was a general custom to multiply negroes in order to have them to sell is very improbable many of these travellers show prejudice we have wondered therefore whether it were too much to assume that they had more thought for the effect their narrative would produce in the north or in england than for its truth is it not probable that foreigners may have got their information about breeding slaves when in the free states rather than actual evidence of such an industry where the industry was supposed to be carried on it seems at any rate more than probable that the exceptional cases which they found were made to appear as the general rule then too the very fact that some states sold great numbers of slaves was sufficient evidence to some no doubt that they were engaged in the business of raising them for sale it seems very natural that this should be inferred consequently travellers reported that certain sections were engaged in breeding and raising slaves for market they made the accusation that the so-called breeding states were in the slave breeding business for profit but was it profitable if not why were they in this business a negro above eighteen years of age would bring on an average about three hundred dollars in the selling states from eighteen fifteen to say eighteen forty five sometimes he would bring a little more sometimes less between the age of ten and the time of sale we will suppose the slave paid for his keeping but before that time he would be too small to work there was always some defective stock that could not be sold 
this taken in connection with the fact that all negroes did not live to be ten years of age probably not more than half we shall be under the necessity of deducting about one-half of the three hundred dollars on this account this will leave a hundred and fifty dollars or fifteen dollars per year for the possible expense of raising him a bushel of corn a month would have been about eight dollars per year for corn fifty pounds for meat four dollars it is not likely he could have been clothed for less than three and the fifteen is gone with nothing left for incidentals we think the above a very fair estimate in eighteen twenty nine the average price of negroes in virginia was estimated at only a hundred and fifty dollars each why did not the border slave states raise hogs instead of negroes bacon was at a good price during that period the fact is the negroes probably increased without any consideration for their master's wishes in the matter a planter could stop raising hogs whenever he might choose but it seemed to be hardly within the province of the master to limit the increase of his negroes and the better they were treated evidently the faster the increase a man who had one or two hundred negroes and had scruples about selling them unless he should be able to add to his landed estate as they increased was in a bad predicament it seemed some such men had the welfare of their negroes at heart and used every means to keep them andrew tells of one a gentleman he says in one of the poorer counties of virginia has nearly two hundred slaves whom he employs upon a second-rate plantation of eight thousand or ten thousand acres and who constantly brought him into debt at length he found it necessary to purchase a smaller plantation of good land in another county which he continues to cultivate for no other purpose than to support his negroes sometimes men who were in prosperous circumstances would buy land as fast as their slaves increased and settle them upon it slaves were seldom sold until they were over ten years of age consequently if it were true that the border states made a business of breeding and raising them for sale we should naturally expect to find in these states a much greater proportion under ten than in the buying states to determine the truth of this we shall have recourse to the census reports the states of virginia maryland kentucky and north carolina in eighteen thirty had in round numbers nine hundred and eighty four thousand slaves of which three hundred and forty nine thousand were under ten years of age and six hundred and thirty five thousand over this shows that in these states there were a hundred and eighty-two over ten years of age to every one hundred under ten taking an equal number of the principal cotton-growing and slave-buying states say georgia mississippi alabama and tennessee we find that they had three hundred and forty six thousand over ten and a hundred and ninety six thousand under ten consequently for every hundred and seventy six of the former they had one hundred of the latter therefore at this time the principal so-called slave-breeding states had a smaller number of slaves under ten years than an equal number of buying states the numbers it will be seen differ as the ratios one hundred to one hundred and eighty two and one hundred to one seventy six in eighteen forty there were in the southern states about two million four hundred and eighty six thousand slaves 
of whom about eight hundred and forty four thousand were under ten years of age on an average therefore of one hundred under ten to every one hundred and ninety four over taking each state separately we find that virginia had just an average having one hundred of the former to one hundred and ninety four of the latter maryland one hundred to every two hundred and three delaware one hundred to two hundred and eighteen district of columbia one hundred to two hundred and eighty kentucky one hundred to one hundred and seventy nine north carolina one hundred to one seventy six missouri one hundred to one seventy two south carolina one hundred to two o five louisiana one hundred to two sixty seven mississippi one hundred to two hundred and six florida one hundred to two twenty georgia one hundred to one eighty eight arkansas one hundred to one ninety five tennessee one hundred to one seventy and alabama one hundred to one ninety thus it is shown that the buying states of alabama georgia and tennessee each had more children in proportion to their slave population than virginia and that maryland and delaware had about the same proportion as the buying states of mississippi florida and arkansas it would hardly be fair however to compare the district of columbia with louisiana in eighteen sixty we find that the proportion of slave children under ten years of age is much less in all the states than in eighteen forty in virginia at this time there were one hundred under ten years of age to two twenty seven over that age delaware one hundred to two thirty three maryland one hundred to two twenty nine kentucky one hundred to two o four south carolina one hundred to two twenty four north carolina one hundred to two hundred and two missouri one hundred to one ninety georgia one hundred to two twenty one louisiana one hundred to two eighty five mississippi one hundred to two forty two texas one hundred to two hundred and nine arkansas one hundred to two nineteen tennessee one hundred to two hundred alabama one hundred to two twenty one and florida one hundred to two twenty four this schedule shows that the buying states which had a greater number of slave children in proportion to their slave population in eighteen sixty than virginia maryland and delaware were georgia arkansas tennessee alabama texas and florida it is noticeable in both schedules that the state of louisiana is an exception the proportion of children there was much less than in the other states this is probably due to the strenuous work on sugar plantations it is also noticeable that the western states had the greatest proportional number of children which is to be accounted for by the healthfulness of the climate and by its being a rich and prosperous farming region where negroes were well fed and probably free from the malarial ailments of some other sections the conditions therefore were very favorable to the prolific negro race we think it would be only natural that one should expect to have found in virginia and maryland which have had to bear the brunt of the accusation of breeding slaves the greatest proportion of children not only because of the reiterated accusations but also on account of the exportation of adult slaves from these states which had the tendency to heighten the proportion of children in these states and lessen it in the states to which the slaves were carried 
with regard to slave breeding schaffner a native of virginia says from our own personal observation since we were capable of studying the progress of human affairs we are of opinion that there is less increase of the slaves of the so-called breeding states than of the more southern of gulf states we doubt if there exists in america a slave owner that encourages the breeding of slaves for the purpose of selling them nor do we believe that any man would be permitted to live in any of the southern states that did intentionally breed slaves with the object of selling them southerners generally have denied the accusation when andrew stevenson of virginia was minister to england he was upon one occasion taunted by daniel o'connell with belonging to a state that was noted for breeding slaves for the south he indignantly denied the charge and in eighteen thirty nine the editor of the cincinnati gazette was much abused for asserting that virginia bred slaves as a matter of pecuniary gain nehemiah adams a clergyman went south in the early fifties biased against slavery but says the charge of vilely multiplying negroes in virginia is one of those exaggerations of which the subject is full and is reduced to this that virginia being an old state fully stocked the surplus black population naturally flows off where their numbers are less it would seem that these states are not only practically freed from the charge of multiplying slaves and raising them for market as a business but that as a rule they did not sell their slaves unless compelled to do so by pecuniary or other embarrassments probably many planters were as conscientious about their slaves as jefferson appears to have been in a letter he says i cannot decide to sell my lands i have sold too much of them already and they are the only sure provision for my children nor would i willingly sell the slaves as long as there remains any prospect of paying my debts with their labor it seems that he was finally compelled to sell some of them madison parted with some of his best land to feed the increasing numbers of negroes but admitted to harriet martineau that the week before she visited him he had been obliged to sell a dozen of them and eastwick evans who made a long tour of the country in eighteen eighteen says i know it to be a case that slaveholders generally deprecate the practice of buying and selling slaves no doubt the planters were always glad to get rid of unruly and good-for-nothing negroes and these were pretty sure to fall into the hands of traders the slave traders had agents spread over the states where slaves were less profitable to their owners in readiness to take advantage of every opportunity to secure the slaves that might in any way be for sale they would even when an opportunity occurred kidnap the free negroes they also sought to buy up slaves as if for local and domestic use and then would disappear with them and it was a common occurrence for plantations and negroes to be advertised for sale in one issue of the charleston courier in the winter of eighteen thirty five were advertised several plantations and about twelve hundred negroes for sale at such sales negro traders and speculators from far and near were sure to be on hand attracted by the prospect of making good bargains 
probably we could not better close this chapter than with a quotation from dr bailey who was editor of the national era a moderate anti-slavery paper it appears to us that he correctly and concisely sums up the whole matter the sale of slaves to the south he says is carried on to a great extent the slaveholders do not so far as i can learn raise them for that special purpose but here is a man with a score of slaves located on an exhausted plantation it must furnish support for all but while they increase its capacity of supply decreases the result is he must emancipate or sell but he has fallen into debt and he sells to relieve himself of debt and also from the excess of mouths or he requires money to educate his children or his negroes are sold under execution from these and other causes large numbers of slaves are continually disappearing from the state the davises in petersburg are the great slave dealers they are jews who came to that place many years ago as poor peddlers these men are always in the market giving the highest price for slaves during the summer and fall they buy them up at low prices trim shave wash them fatten them so that they may look sleek and sell them to great profit there are many planters who cannot be persuaded to sell their slaves they have far more than they can find work for and could at any time obtain a high price for them the temptation is strong for they want more money and fewer dependents but they resist it and nothing can induce them to part with a single slave though they know that they would be greatly the gainers in a pecuniary sense were they to sell one half of them End of chapter four